Oh, yeah. We about to get back into it. Another episode of Off The Record Podcast. Let me mix up real quick. Y'all ever notice all fat niggas drink Diet Coke? We consume all the calories in the world, but saving 120 calories with Diet Coke, we think gonna get us right. Holy. That was not a sponsorship. That was just some real shit. It's actually the three-year anniversary of this song coming out. Oh, shit, I'm out of liquor. Mmm. Mmm. Wow. Okay, well, first of all, that just crashed. <laughs> My Spotify app just crashed mid-intro. Anyway, people, 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 people. All right, enough applause. Cut it out. It's your boy, DJ Academics. I'm here. Another episode of Off the Record Podcast. Got a couple of camera angles. Tell me what I like better, man. I like this. Anyway, definitely want to say yo, salute to Lil TJ. Uh, the intro song was um, FN by Lil TJ. Came out three years ago. If you don't know, recently Lil TJ, um, his team has been hitting. Well, not his team, but people that seem to be working with his label that would, I would believe his team would know about. They're popping up billboards in the Bronx saying TJ's back. And if you guys haven't seen them, I'll pop it up on screen here right now. Now, if you're wondering and you're like new to this world, and you've been on the rock. What is he back from? Uh, it feels like only a couple months ago he was shot seven times in the chest. You know, like that sounds amazing that not only is he out the hospital, but he's apparently ready to make a music comeback. OK, now, the billboard in question, let me see if I can get up here on the screen. Here we go. It says, I'm back. Okay. And here we, let me put it up right here. Gotcha. Okay, let me make this a little bit bigger. Oh, wow. Uh, can't really get this all the way right. Y'all see it in the corner. Okay. Basically, he's announcing that he's back. Okay, there we go. Hold on, I got to get this right. Jesus Christ, my tech skills are atrocious today. Anyway, this is him saying he's back. I'm excited to see him back. He's, it says, I'm back. TJ, they're expecting that somehow and some way he'll be back. Some people think he'll be back for Rolling Loud. If you don't know, Rolling Loud is happening in September in New York. He's still in the lineup. People think that that will be his big appearance back on the scene. Some people also think this is leading up to music being dropped. I've been hearing that he may or may have not filmed the music video. Some told me it was from the hospital room, which sounds ridiculous to me. Get me? Getting shot that many times, nigga, I'd be thinking of relocating, not, not playing the music comeback. However, you know, uh, clearly little TJ is built differently. And when I do get in contact with his team and him, I will definitely let you guys know. But, you know, definitely prayers up for little TJ, and I'm glad that he's such in good health or recovering in good health that he's definitely thinking about is music comeback. Okay. Um, what else been going on? It's been a while since I did one of these. First and foremost, the new wave is here, people. And I got to get th th this whole thing right to make sure I can see shit. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, man. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to use a lot of clips. I want to make sure my clips can be seen. Okay. Um, all the colored here mumble rappers have now moved on to Europe. Okay. And um, recently a clip went viral, which, you know, innocently, I, I didn't think nothing of it. But I did have a conversation with this individual. I'm talking about Lil Pump. And it was a clip of Lil Pump. Um, I guess I thought he recorded it, but he didn't. Um, somebody recorded Lil Pump. Let me put this on screen. Somebody recorded a little pump, supposedly in Japan. This is a little pump in Japan. Now he's in Japan. And I'm gonna put it over here. He's in Japan, and apparently they were saying he's shocked that no one knew who he was. Now a lot of commentary came after this by people on social media because they're like, "Yo, you know, it's basically almost uh, uh, the prophecy set forth by J. Cole." which is, um, what was that song, 1985? 
People can't wait till Lil Pump falls off and Lil Pump is broken, like homeless on the corner, like Delante West. They can't wait for that. So people seen this video and said, oh, shit, people already are forgetting about him. Now, I didn't look at it like that. And, you know, me and him, we did have a subsequent talk where he was educating me. Yes, uh, he's younger than me, but he was educating me on Japan. I've never been to Japan. I've never been to anywhere in Europe. I don't even want to go to nowhere in Europe. You see what they did to Brittany Griner? Now, I'm sounding mad ignorant. I know. But there's nothing in my heart that makes me want to go anywhere across the Atlantic Ocean. All right. When I go on vacation, I go to the Caribbean. I clearly was born in Jamaica. Listen, this is going to sound just crazy. But I listen, after growing up in a country where black people were the majority, which is Jamaica, and coming here and getting some type of success, and I could now pick where I could go and could hang out. I never want to be in any type of place where like black people are the minority again. It's such a fucked up just dynamic because not only does it affect the people who, of color who are within these countries being oppressed by someone else, it's just not a good time. You know what I mean? You don't want to feel like the token Negro. So to be honest, I've stayed away from places like Italy, France, and I know you might be like, well, the racism isn't that bad. Listen, I don't even want to find out. Now, granted, I'll probably go there at some point, but there's no urge at this point um, to get to those places, I want to at least, and by the way, if I'm ever going across the Atlantic, first place I'm going, Lagos, Nigeria. I love my Nigerians. Salute to, salute to my Africans, but Nigeria, um, Nigeria, Liberia, those are Sierra Leone, great places that I've, you know, I've seen the culture that kind of coincides with some culture that I'm familiar with. Can't wait to visit those places, but I ain't gonna lie. To go watch some like Leaning Tower of Pisa, Go to the city of love. I don't want to see that shit. Go eat Italian pizza. I'm good. I'm good. So, you know what I mean? Like, I always be looking when I hear that people going to Russia. I'm like, for the fuck what? I'm not going there. Why the fuck would I be going to Russia? I ain't got no damn business in Russia. Now, granted, some of these people are getting booked, but whatever the case is. Anyway, this is what Pump put me on game. Pump was like, yo, act. Check this out, bro. Because I was saying, Pump. When I posted a video, I didn't even think about, oh, no, you're becoming irrelevant because that's what some people took away from it. I looked at it as niggas in Japan probably don't give a fuck about what we got going on over here in the United States. And I've always said this. It's only about people who live in the U.S. that think we're the center of the world. I made this statement recently on my, on my Twitch. First and foremost, I don't believe Drake's the biggest musician on earth. Well, some of you might definitely agree because, you know, you have Adele, you have other people. But I'll use a contemporary that sometimes is even in the hip-hop space. I think Bad Bunny is a bigger global superstar than Drake right now, right now, okay? Now, clearly, Drake has had a very luxurious career, ups and downs, and third. But right at this moment, Bad Bunny, I believe, is a bigger global star than Drake. It's always why I've always said to people like, as crazy or as you know lucrative as we talk about people like LeBron's or Steph Curry's contract, you have a motherfucking like, you know, Ronaldo, right, who plays soccer, and we call it soccer, but for the rest of the world is football. We never see him do interviews because he don't even care to know English, right? And he's getting paid sometimes two to three times more than the actual basketball players were falling over. In reality, soccer is a bigger global sport than basketball. And I watch basketball a lot. By the way, you know, they played soccer in Jamaica. We were never that good, but still. The point is this. Sometimes from a frame of reference, we don't realize that the world has their own thing going on. There's a sport called cricket. Some of y'all might know it. Some might not. Most people in the United States wouldn't know it. If they seen something with a bat and something with a ball, they're saying, oh, that's got to be... Oh, this shit got to be like baseball. No, cricket is a world sport. They're getting paid a lot of money. And even though we recently now fallen over the, 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 you know, basketball and the Olympics, like some of these other sports that are in the Olympics, they've been highly competitive for years, not just one country dominating. So I say all that to say to relate it back to pump. Japan got their own ecosystem. Their own, they have their own shit going on. They're not in Japan like, oh, I can't wait till Lil Baby gets here. No, they got their own version of Lil Baby that we might not know about. And that's just understanding the world for what it is. That's what I'm looking at. So I didn't look at this. 
to say, oh shit, no one knows Pump. I'm thinking about it to say, man, Pump ain't, Pump is big in the U.S., but nigga, that's the U.S. Now, granted, 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 the reason why he was in Tokyo, he got booked. Okay? And, um, I, I, by, by the way, I believe this was misleading because he showed other pictures of, you know, fans coming up to him taking pictures. Somebody had like a esketed tattoo on them. So clearly there was more to this. And obviously somebody just wanted to make fun of Pump. Regardless, um, I do think this is a trend recently. I've seen a lot of artists that were popping in 2018. They're doing what G-Unit did after they flailed, flailed out in the United States. They're all going overseas. They're all going overseas. I looked up. I just seen one. See, see my buddy, six nine. He's performing in Switzerland. Like, come on now, bro. Six nine Switzerland performance. Here we go. Now, don't listen to the caption. I think they're trying to play him. I think this is a private event he did in Switzerland. But he's also on a run of an international tour. They love him overseas. And the inter the overseas slash local dynamic has always been interesting because a lot of artists neglect the international market until they cold, they get cold locally. Because here's the thing. You go to Canada. They're I remember going to Canada. And again, I'm not performing, and I'm just like a media personality. And I said, I felt the most love I've ever felt from any even U.S. cities I went to. You know why? It was like a one of one. They were thinking, yo, we've never seen this guy. We might never see him again. If I'm in New York, they're like, oh, it's that bum-ass nigga academics. If I'm in L.A., they're like, oh, it's that hating-ass nigga. Fuck that nigga, man. You know what I mean? It's like in Canada, it's like people just show you love. They want to. Like, you know, my first, like, you know, event that we did, it was a podcast they booked me for, sold out event. I went to Canada. And everyone was so appreciative because they were like, damn, we never get to see this guy. So this is the thing about the international markets I always think is dope. And that's why I think younger artists should always focus on it. Now, this, this is Discount 6ix9ine. He focused on it a lot early on in his career, um, especially before he got popping, before he got, got in the bloods and all that. But... When you see artists like Lil Pump, like Lil Pump called me up and he said, yo, Ack, yo, I'm getting a bag doing this international tour. And they do, they love me. Don't let whatever fool you. He's like, I'm selling out crazy amount of shit because they never thought they would see Lil Pump. This is the one of one time. So I don't got to be the biggest there, but it's rare for me to be here. So he's picking up ridiculous bags. So I see 6 9 in Switzerland, which this is a private party, but Swiss, he did some other shit in Switzerland, sold out too. I see Enelie Chopper go overseas a little bit too. I'm seeing a lot of these guys who, you know, maybe they can't sell out. Uh, let me see. Maybe they can't sell out Terminal 5 in New York with 5,000 people. But if they go to fucking Romania, Czechoslovakia, Ireland, you know what I mean? They go somewhere, Ukraine, like these guys, they perform in some of these precincts. And when they go there, they get a lot of love. Pump told me, he said, yo, I'm going to, he said, you should have checked out when I went to Mongolia. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, nigga, that sounds, um, that sounds like Mongolia. It's like, what are we talking, where is this? It's like, bruh, it's like one of the provinces of the Philippines. I'm like, hmm? And he's right. There's a lot of people there. So, you know, um, definitely salute to, salute to the guys um, who some might think they were in their highest of clout days 2017 to 2019, I've said the clout era is over. However, it will still continue somewhat because these guys aren't going to go broke. Somebody wants to see them. If they're not being appreciated here, definitely like 6ix9ine is a spectacle. You went to Brazil, shut Brazil down. Spectacle. Like people came, oh my God, it's 6ix9ine. You get what I mean? Same with Pump. Like, oh shit, it's a little Pump. So American culture does influence, but people got their own shit going on. All right. Um, Speaking on a bunch of things that's been going on. And artists aging in the industry. I got to give a big round of applause. And I got the button here. Got to give a big round of applause. For Nicki Minaj. 
Yes. I got to give a big round of applause to Nicki Minaj. You can call me a hater if you want to call me a hater. Me and her, we've been into it many times, but I got to be honest, Nicki Minaj is absolutely killing it. Now, when I give her credit, I got to give the Barb's credit. Let me pull this up real quick. Nicki Minaj has scored her first, her fucking first, first number one. And let me find it. She scored her first number one in her career and the first one as a female rapper as a solo record since, uh, I forgot who was the person who did it before. Here we go. Since Lauren Hill in 1998. Her song, Super Freaky Girl, okay? Super Freaky Girl is the song, and I have it right here. Super Freaky Girl, which I I heard it a couple of times, and I'm like, it's ain't for me. But it's the number one song in the country. Now, what's actually important here, which I got to go back to the other page, is this, because I want to give the Barbers their credit. And even though, you know, I go back and forth with everybody, but I like to give the motherfuckers their credit when possible. Actually, I can't put it up, but I'll talk about it. The reason why Nikki's number one this year, this week, is because the Barbs, I believe, have actually figured out the formula. The formula has been figured out by the Barbs. What is that formula, you might ask? Now, if you're a fan base, if you're the YB Better folks, you're the Kanye stands, or Rihanna don't put out um, music anymore, so I don't got to talk about the Navy. Well, if you're, if you're a Beyonce supporter or a Beehive, if you're a Yeezy stand, if you're a Drake stand, no matter who you like, Travis Scott, you guys need to understand certain fundamentals and principles if you're trying to get your artist to sell a lot. If you leave it up to the industry, you're always going to be mad. You know why? Because your artist is never, there's no, I know people want to think there's like favors to center. There kind of is. But you, you don't want to leave it up to chance. And I think the Barbers finally realized, because the Barbers used to be like a, a, a group that used to just bitch about, oh, she don't get radio. It's fucking Nicki Minaj, who's on Republican, well, Republic Records, that's supported by UMG. She's one of their top 15 acts. They're not going to just say radio could support everybody else in the top 15 but Nicki. doesn't work like that. But Nicki drops her songs and goes about her shit a different way. Also, she has a reputation industry, so we got to put that in there. Here's the thing. Nicki, who already got a number one with 6ix9ine, Trolls, without radio play, her fan base finally learned what it is. Y'all got to do it on sales. And this is where, you know, even Young Boy's fan base come in. If you are a real fan of an artist and you care about numbers, I don't want to see you in a numbers conversation unless you're buying the record. Don't argue all day. Don't troll Cardi B. Don't troll Meg Thee Stallion. Don't troll Doja Cat. Don't troll Lil Durk. Don't troll all these other people. And I'm talking to the respective fan bases of the Barbs or Youngboy. Buy the nigga's record. Buy the Queen's record. And I always had a gripe and a bone to pick with Nicki Minaj fans because they never do that. They will sit here, leak numbers, harass you, tell you to kill yourself. They will do everything in the fucking world but buy the record of the person they claim to support the most. And that therein lies the problem. Nicki Minaj was number one this week because the Barb's actually broke a record for the most amount of Song sold this year. She sold 87,000 singles. 87,000. To put it in comparison, Young Boy, his total sales, so streaming and sales and raw sales, came to 110. There was probably like 5,000 actual sales. Do you get what I mean? I believe Youngboy has a lot of fans, but those fans don't have money to spend or they don't want to spend. The Barbs, which I believe a lot of these Barbs are like 30 plus now. They do. Well, even though we are comparing a dollar, like a dollar for a song versus $10 for an album. Anyway, 87,000 people bought a song. Compared to Youngboy, who lost very close 
race to um, Bad Bunny, we didn't have 10,000 people buy an album. Do you get what I mean? So I can't do nothing but give the Barbs some credit because even though they run their mouth and they're fucking annoying, they put their money where their mouth was. 87,000 people buying a song is fucking spectacular. Drake dropped an album. 87,000 people ain't, ain't do raw sales on his shit. And that's the difference between real stance and just like fanatics. Because all these people purport themselves to be stance. Make no, make no, like, you know, no qualms about this. Like, if you're always tweeting, why be better? Why be greater? Why be does this better? Why be does podcast? Like, if you always say that, you're a stan. But when you're a stan, you can't win the stan competition by just running your fucking mouth. You got to start putting your money where your mouth is. And that's where Nikki fans has finally got. Because Nicki Minaj fans used to be the loudest. They have a loud bark, but no bite. Now they're doing it. Which, by the way, I'll also give them this credit. And by the way, I'm not trying to knock Young Boys fan base for, 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 for Nicki. I'm just trying to say, I, I hate when fan bases are talking about sales and they're saying the industry is like keeping them out of, oh, no. Like Nicki Minaj fans used to say, oh, it's the radio. Man, fuck the radio. If, th if it's that many of y'all, buy the song. The radio won't count. Y'all got a number one now. So even if it drops to 40 next week, I got a number one. It is what it is. Same, I think, with young boy fans. Y'all are making all type of excuses. Yo, no, the industry cheated them. But nigga, y'all should have bought the fucking record. Buy it. Now, if you don't buy it, you can't be that hurt if your artist isn't number one. I'll give you a breakdown of the young boy situation when it, when it comes to, like, sales. Because I've seen somebody, I think even he commented on it. He said, well, it was basically a narrative of, like, the industry's against him. Because, for example, he streamed more than Rod Wave. Um, I think maybe even didn't, I don't know if he did more raw sales, but he definitely streamed more than him. And he sold less. Here's the thing. It comes down to the fan base yet again. If most of those streams are on YouTube, YouTube streams count about one-third for a regular Spotify stream. If you're watching YouTube for free and you're watching Young Boy, and I'm paying $10.99, actually, well, now I'm paying about $18.99 because I got like a little family account on Spotify. Yes, I don't get Spotify free. Who I got to talk to to get that? If I stream a song once and you stream a song once, they're not the same. I'm allocating part of my monthly bill to pay those artists by me streaming it, you're allocating one view to what ad they could serve on that YouTube stream, which sometimes they don't serve any at all. So they came up, they came up with a mathematical equation. If you don't got YouTube red and you just stream a song, you probably need to stream that said song maybe two or three times or maybe even four or five to count like the one stream I did over Spotify. That's where YouTube gets to hurt young boy. Because his audience is streaming it on a platform that they need to go three times as hard to equal the people that are, that are doing numbers mostly on Spotify or Apple music or the other ones. So I know a lot of people are concerned and care about numbers. And I've heard artists tell me, they, they told me this specifically. They said, ah, you're one of the reasons why people keep talking about numbers. And I had to think about it. I'm like, am I? I am. Guilty. But we do live in an information era. And if any fan of music or even by, like, Stan, I'll just say fan to Stan, like super fan. Let me, let me, Stan sounds bad. You like to compete or you like to, you like to compete with your artists. Or when I mean compete, like, you like to argue with your friend and use your artist versus them. There's some artists growing up, and clearly at the time I was like, you know, when I first got here, 
which is the early 2000s. I'm started buying like CDs around like 2005 or 2006. Um, definitely before streaming. One thing I, I never like. Come on, we all cheap. I ain't want to buy shit. I don't want to put our money down. I'm cheap. Use my school money. But for the artists I knew I was going to argue over, I got to spend that money, bro. I bought a lot of game albums. I used to buy every game album. And I used to buy every Cameron album. Even like, I, I, I remember, I think I still have it in CD. The last one he did when he would like went to Ohio. I forgot what that was called. But I believe in buying. And by the way, I pretty much buy every Drake album. Did I buy Honestly Nevermind? Granted, he don't need my sale. But it's just kind of like, I know I want to talk about sales with him. You got to think about this. These people, when they post a picture, 3 million people like it. They can't get 10,000 people to buy the album. Think about it. They post a picture, 3 million people like it. Get 10,000 people to actually pay, fuck no. So for all that, I'm saying, I think Nikki and her crazed fan base did something that I have to applaud. I'm going to clap it up once again. The only people who do stuff like that are Taylor Swift, BTS, which is like some K-pop group. And there's a bunch where like Machine Gun Kelly's in there too. If you know if you'll notice, I ain't gonna mention no niggas. And that's where I think the music industry has failed to give value to a consumer in terms of purchasing the music. After they realized they couldn't defeat streaming, they just acquiesced to streaming and they they've almost forgot about the purchasing part of it. And obviously they still do to a certain extent. Like I ain't gonna lie, like these days when people drop um vinyls, vinyl's a big thing, but but they're like more of a collector's item. But music industry, especially for black artists, is ne- yo Dirk sold 120, and I think it was 8,000 sales. Raw sales. This is what it is. Okay. So my message for all you fan bases and stand bases is that listen, I never thought I would be saying this, but be a little bit more like the barbs. If you're going to run your fucking mouth, troll niggas all day, you're, you're telling somebody slide for this, spin for that, do blah, blah, blah. And because you're supporting one artist over the other, the least you can fucking do is take out your fucking mama's credit card, put $10 on the bitch and buy the album that at least when the sales come back, you're not like, which way did he go? Nobody want to hear that from you. Okay. So salute to the barbs. Y'all are number one. Y'all get to glow for a week. I'll shut the fuck up. Cause I know we haven't had the best of, um, you know, relationships, and I'll let y'all gloat and talk y'all shit for the week because y'all deserve it. That's what being number one is. Ah. Well, moving on, people. Moving on. Um, This week has been quite interesting. Fetty Wap is going to jail. At least for five years. That whole case confuses me. But then it doesn't. But it does. I'll explain. So if you don't know, Fetty Wap was caught in a Fed case for for um, distributing and running a drug ring in on the East Coast that was making millions of dollars. They seized $1.5 million. And I could pull the article up here right now. Fetty Wap. Let me see if I can find it. I want y'all to see. I want y'all to actually see see the um. Yeah, y'all gotta see the shit that they seize because it, it, here we go. Mm, no, no, okay. Give me a second. Oh, I think this is it right here. 
Bingo, we're back on the screen. So this is Fetty Wap. Pled guilty to a federal drug to federal drug charges in New York. Um, I never seen this before, but um, this was some of the drugs that was confiscated. Apparently, um, the drugs were a bunch. It was five five hundred grams of cocaine. Okay, I think there was some fentanyl too, and they seized. $1.5 million in cash. If you've never seen the $1.5 million, what it would look like, apparently that's what it looked like there. Them officers probably looking like, man, I want to take this bitch home, huh? This confuses me. When I first heard the story, I said, why does Fetty, why does he need to be selling drugs? Remember I said with Fetty Wap and he said like he made like some astronomical amount of money. Now, if if I got a hundred million dollars or say I've made fifty million, selling drugs would be the last thing on my mind. And I started to think, because I'm really trying to think how did he get into this, I gotta believe that Fetty ran through all this money. I think Fetty ran through the money, and by the way, I don't want to be here, quote, unquote, snitching on no artists because I've had a conversation with mad artists. There's a few artists I've, I've thought, I'm like, how is that nigga making money? Because I know how music money comes in. I know when it comes in. I know what it should look like. And what I realize is that it shouldn't be, but music success sometimes is a gateway to artists doing illegal shit. And I'm going to tell you why. Some of these artists make 5, 10, 15 million in a year or two and they blow it just like that. A couple years later, they're nowhere as hot. No one's checking for them. People are like trying to book them for nominal fees. They used to charge 80K or 100K. Now niggas is like, yo, I'll give you 15. That's an all in, which means you got to cover your travel, your security, your DJ, all that shit, your hotel rooms. Transportation, whatever you got to do. So the money just ain't the same no more. And what happens is money then becomes the drug. So the rappers who got in the game, got a lot of money, then blew it and then realized they're not hot anymore. They then look around and say, what's the quickest flip I could do? And I know a bunch of these artists right now. I'll never say their names. But I'll be, I'm like, nigga, how do you have money? They all get a little hazy with it. I'm like, all right, yeah, please don't tell me. Because I don't want, your phone probably tapped and I went, they lock you up. I don't want them to come asking me like, yo, didn't he tell you this? No, you did not. A lot of artists, once they kind of start falling off, they start getting into certain things. I don't know if this is the case with Fetty. But I've seen this a couple of times. And the dumbest ones usually go with drugs. Now, usually they they aren't the people connected to the drugs they're funding this some of them are trying to like you know what i mean like i it used to be such a wild thing to think that a famous rapper would be a scammer until i realized oh yeah of course the famous rappers are the biggest scammers especially after they stopped getting the famous rapper money you know why they're hypnotized and they're addicted to the millions so if a rapper used to make five ten million a year now they're only making 500000 Granted, 500000 is good for anybody. They don't want to downgrade the lifestyle, though. They don't want to, you know, just say, oh, shit, I got to move around and adjust. They don't want to do that. What they want to do, or what they usually do is get into some drugs. So anyway, um, Fetty really pled guilty because they, they revoked his bond. They caught him on some other stuff. They say he threatened a guy on the iPhone by putting up a gun to the to, to, to the to the phone and telling the guy he was going to kill him. Um, clearly, that guy stenched on Fetty, right? Fetty got locked up, and knowing that he wasn't going to get out till trial, he probably just said, fuck it, you give me five years, which, you know, he pled guilty right now, but I got to imagine the, the plea is for the government to recommend the lowest, like five years. He's never been charged federally. Um, this is the only thing. I, I, I think they're probably going to try to give him the five. They give him the five. He served some shit already. Um, 
Hopefully, in a few years, he gets out, clean slate, and could uh, continue his life. But it's just so interesting how money becomes the drug. If it's not like actually hard drugs like cocaine, a lot of these niggas become on perks, all these type of, you know, drugs that are very addictive. They become addicted to the success or the money that comes with the success itself. Addiction is kind of crazy. So watching Fetty in this situation is, is kind of interesting, but I definitely do pray for him. Um, real quick update on the guys in the YSL situation. I watched a few things and I watched, I watched the, um, bail hearing, um, prognosis ain't looking better, man. Whole YSL case looks, this should just look like it's a wrap. I don't even know what to say. It just looks like it's, it's done. It's a wrap. What I mean by that is that there's people cooperating and people who have been cooperating for a long time. And those people who were cooperating since like four or five years ago, it's, they can't stand tall now because like they already gave mad statements that the, the, the that law enforcement's using, using to make this case too because they're using their statements against each other. So here's the funny thing, and I don't get too specific into this, maybe on another platform, but let me just break this down. There's niggas that was supposedly in YSL that was snitching on the other gang they were beefing with. So like a nigga would get shot at, and then the cops ask him like, yo, who shot at you? He'd be like, oh, that nigga, that nigga, that nigga. Now, I don't know the street codes. I'm not no street nigga. I'm just telling you what is seen in paperwork for the police. Okay, so you got shot at by your ops. The cops ask you who shot at you. You'd be like, not nah, those three niggas, right? So now when you do that, the cops put you as a victim, right? You're not being, you're not in trouble. You just got shot at. And then they start investigating and try to lock up the guys who are your ops. That's all good and well, right? Now, um, the next thing that might happen, okay, the cops catch you with a gun or catch you in some situations. Now they're trying to cross-reference because you said those niggas shot at you, but now they're investigating you for possibly shooting back. That's the thing about snitching, right? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily snitching if you're telling on your ops, but if you tell on them and they shoot at you, and then, no, you tell on them because they shot at you, and then you shoot back, and then basically you tell them the, you told the cops already that you, that, that you were a victim. So the cops are just cross-referencing the shit to say, bro, you know you kind of told on yourself now it puts you in a web of lies and a bunch of telling. You ended up having to, like, blame other people. And this is exactly what's happening in the YSL shit. So some of the people who are there coming out to say these guys are telling, at first they were just telling on the ops. Then afterwards they were like, well, this is retaliation. You told us it was these niggas who shot you, right? And then two days later, um, this nigga's house got shot up. His brother's house got shot up. His neighbor's house got shot up. Okay, you did it, right? Because you, just, you told us that they shot at you. Who would want to shoot back at them if they just shot at you? And then these people are like, oh, well, it's not me. It's not me. Uh, well, no, this, well, they show them some shit. They'd be like, oh, that might have been somebody else. And everybody's just playing the, like, we'll just put it on somebody else game to the point where now everybody's an indictment. So what they're doing is they're using all the, I won't call it snitch statements because if somebody shot at you, you're not, I don't, I personally don't think you're snitching if you're, if you tell a cop, it's like, he did it. But this is supposedly the streets. So you're not supposed to do that, right? So essentially, these guys, they're, they're, they've given so many statements to the cops that the cops are bringing up their statements against each other, and it all looks fucked up. So really, right now, the cops are just waiting for people to break. Everybody, like, the cops are sitting here like, they're probably playing an order. They'd be like, yo, you know we heard that you did the, the murder, and you're the only person who did it. They'd be like, nah, I ain't do shit. You know who we heard it from? Press play. That's your man's telling. That's your man's talking on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't got even. They don't even got to get to the point where they're bringing Sonics and McDonald's in the jail, man. So like, I think they're playing a lot of like games with the people who are charged. But the problem is that this is what happens with the street code that all these rappers and street niggas been preaching that is actually real isn't real. Back to this YSL case, the paperwork you're seeing come out is essentially paperwork that people have realized. Bro, people were telling before the indictment. A nigga would get shot at, and he didn't keep it in the streets. He kept it at the detective's office. He said, yo, man, I think them niggas shot at me, man. Them niggas over there, man. You feel me? <laughs> and that's how it was going. So now everything is coming back up. They got statements. They got everything. They got finger pointing. And now people have to um, try to figure out who's with them, 
who's not with them, who told what, and is it worth going to a trial? I've said when it comes to a RICO case, especially one with 28 defendants, this is why I sell, right? Is no chance in hell that this shit goes to a jury trial for any of them niggas if they don't want to do five times what will normally be offered in a plea. So, for example, I think that the prosecutor might come to gun and say, bruh, yo, I give you tw- no, 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 I give you five years. But if you really go to court and fight this, we're going to make you look so spooky, you're going to take 20. I think with Thug, they're going to go to him. You know, I was, I was saying five, but the way they're painting out Thug, because apparently one of the guys who they're saying is a snitch, but like really, he didn't, they don't have paperwork on him really snitching now, even though allegedly he was cooperating. He supposedly told on some shit back in the day, but he also like corroborated that Thug gave them a car that did a murder. Like, so like he's like, you know what I mean? And then one of the guys who died, the guy's last words were, Thug killed me, like, bro, like, they're putting Thug in the crosshairs of a bunch of shit, and it's a bunch of niggas saying this shit. So, I think they're going to offer Thug, I was saying five, 10 to 15. Now, for him, he's going to have to make a very conscious decision, okay? Um, I don't think maybe as a drastic of a decision as we're, we're seeing that Melly and, and TK made, because those guys the only offer was going to be essentially life. Like, like if they didn't go to trial, it's going to be like 25 years or 30 years, right? So it's like, you might as well go to trial and just try to be there, right? So they're not having a chance of coming home in a couple of summers. I was hoping and thinking that that would be the case for, for Thug, but as they're painting this whole trial and they're putting the narratives in place and what the prosecutor is doing very slowly, he's kind of rolling shit out, rolling shit out. He didn't, he's one of them people that didn't pause, bust his load the first time. So when he first went to court, uh, we got some lyrics. Oh no, we found this. They're not saying much. As more and more stuff has been like, you know, passed out, where you're hearing more and more things that seemingly is putting Thug in a crosshair. And even if, and it's, again, if it was just one thing, it might be easier to beat, but they're coming at him with like 49 things. And when a jury sits through a whole trial and hears, like 40 things that you think this guy orchestrated or signed off on or put a hit out on somebody or co-signed or he's talking like some leader for whatever, whatever. You hear 40 things and be like, damn, bro, like, y'all believe y'all that these 15 ain't really what it what y'all saying it is, but these other 25? And I think that's the problem right there, right? Um... One of the things I definitely wanted to get get into before I got out of here, I think am, am I good with like hip hop topics? Ah, uh, all this this blue face, this Bluetooth shit, man. Blue face and um um Krishan Rock. I was conflicted recently if I should post it. What I believe is happening there is literally an abusive relationship. That shows the hypocrisy of how people view abuse, but also how people view male and female dynamics. I'll give an example. Some of the things we've seen on video between Blueface and his girl. If. If Blueface's girl didn't also, you know, she kind of seemed like she got Stockholm Syndrome where he'll just throw the whole blame on her, be like, oh, no, she she did this to me first, blah, blah, blah. I heard Blueface describe a situation, clearly domestic, of what happened with the, with the girl. No charges filed, no nothing, blah, blah, right? It's all on video, too. The only difference between that and Chris Brown and Rihanna is that Rihanna was like, no, I was not with that. I watched the documentary, it's on Netflix, where Chris Brown is talking about the domestic incident that happened with him and Rihanna, the one that changed his life. You know what he said, but nobody will care about. Yeah, she's trying to go through my phone, whatever, whatever. She started hitting on me, and then she started hitting on me, and I lost it, and I start hitting her. 
put it like this. His story don't matter because she has said she's a victim. The only thing that's stopping Blueface from being completely done is his girl coming out and saying, I was either manipulated or I'm a victim. He's beaten my ass. She gets online every single time and says, ah, yeah, even though you ripped my hair out, nah, nah, I fucked him up. And, and it seems playful. So a lot of women have latched on to this and say, oh, nah, this is that toxic shit. Oh, nah, this is that, this is that, yo, you want to leave your man shit. Oh this, oh, 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 this is that shit we like when Ari said it, when Ari was like, yo, I like when my man, like when I say I'm leaving and he got to take a gun out. I don't know if you ever seen that clip. I, uh, listen, that sounds so wild. I got to play the clip. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, hear this. That's how your squash be. It ain't crazy, but sometimes I'm 16 minutes because I just got to say something else, bitch. Because first of all, I feel like, and I just got to say something else. Here we go. But we like hash it out. Like, we don't have like a toxic thing where we like, like, we like to talk about it. Here, we don't got a toxic thing. Like, I'm okay, I'm mad. This one I'm mad. And this what needs to happen moving forward. So this don't make me mad no more. We like real though. It's weird. I've never been like this before. They, they, they better than us, you no. Hold on. He's trying to make me grow up. I'm about to start some shit tonight. I don't want to do this no more. Yeah, right. That's what's up, though. I feel like a man's supposed to do that, like, show you shit or make you feel comfortable enough that you can trust him to try something different and shit like that. Like, even if you toxic, even if you wild, you crazy, whatever, the right nigga can really, like, show you the way. No, because he, be, he, be, he make me feel like, Bitch, how old is you? Like, grow the fuck up. Oh, he, he get do, you. Yeah, that. he do that to me. Then That's he make me be like, up. okay, let me. Because I used to pack my shit up. Like, bitch, I'm leaving. Fuck you. Duh. That's Fake me. Fake booking a flight. Really never booked a flight. Fake booking a flight. Like, calling my manager. Like, yeah, bitch, book me a flight home. Fuck this nigga. Duh, duh. You know, calling my mama. Throwing shit, breaking shit, fighting. And then, like, now you got to stop me from leaving. But I was never going nowhere. Oh, yep, yeah, you're the toxic like, one. Pull your gun out and show me, like, bitch, leave. I wish you would walk out the door. Right. She from the side. Do y'all hear this? And this is where Blueface and Krishan Rock is at. What Ari just said, I, again, I think that would be worse than, you know, if, if a man is holding you at gunpoint, saying you can't leave, maybe even assaulting you with a gun. Let me not say worse. I think that's akin, or, or I think that's in the same realm as Chris Brown and Rihanna. But here's the thing. She's saying it and smiling. Oh, I think I like that. She's literally just saying, oh, I like that shit. Rihanna was crying and saying, no, I'm abused. This is why when I watch Blueface and I say, how is he this comfortable with some of this stuff knowing that the moment... Like, number one, you're in hostage. The moment, I know she got 15 tattoos of you, but the moment you want to really leave her, or the moment really she's had enough, you're done. The moment she says, nah, this ain't funny no more. Nah, he ripped my hair out. Nah, this not no joke. This is serious. You're done. And this is where I've often said, Blueface seems thirsty for clout. Because these situations keep happening and you're neglecting the fact that you're an artist and put it like this. If that moment happens where she says, nah, he just beat my ass or, oh, look, at, look, he, he, he gave me a black eye or like my nose is bloody. He just fucked me up. You're unbooked from every festival in the book. Everyone. You're done. Like nobody, like you're done. You're not going to no big ass tour by yourself. So I've looked at him and I'm like, yo, I think Blueface doesn't care that much about music. What I think he does, I think he's into this reality world. There's some like uh, some some network called Zeus. I said this on my stream, like yo, this is like, like my shorty be watching it, and I think every time she watches it, she thinks that that bad behavior is cool. It's the most disgusting shit. It actually pushes people away from you. So I'm watching how Blueface is dealing with this, and every single time he gets on, he documents it, and he talks about it, and I said, man, this is some shit that's going to self-destruct. And I've never seen any male play that game where they call themselves fighting with their girl. 
And let me tell you how everything ends. It always ends with the girl saying, nah, this wasn't fighting this time. He just beat my ass. Men, keep your hands to yourself. I don't care if, 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 if women call play fighting or doing whatever toxic and they like it, please don't indulge. Unfortunately, I see how blogs, I see how entities treat Chris Brown. However, I see those same entities hype up Blueface and Krishan Rock. And they've only hyped it up because it's a weird, a weird type of like, you know, dynamic between women who are in these, what you, some might say abusive, but it's not abusive until the girls stop laughing. So is abuse only based on what the woman will take or the what the woman think is cool or is abuse abuse? That's a rabbit hole I won't go down, but I just want to point that out. And that's why I was a little conflicted about even posting anything about it because I'm like, I feel like you're. I'm helping them get their intended motive when they're posted. They're thinking that they're the new money bag and, and Ari. They're the new future and Lori. But no, it's just a real train wreck in front of our eyes. Anyway, last topic I definitely wanted to get into was uh, my man Andrew Tate. If you guys don't know, episode 34 of Off the Record Podcast. We did have Andrew Tate on this podcast. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy Andrew Tate from an entertainment perspective. Also, I do believe that what he says at times, so I can't say I agree with everything, you know, is rooted in, you know, some tradition. And when I mean in tradition, and this is where I think a lot of the conversation should be happening, is some of this tradition that we used to have, was that just wrong? Because I've always said chivalry is dead because what modernism has made the dynamic between men and women, it just wouldn't work in the same way because both genders don't play the same roles. However, one might say, well, the roles that we're playing in those times of tradition were roles of inequality because if, you know, back in the day, there were some men who usually, uh, um, um, they used to categorize women as property. These days, that would be very misogynistic, very sexist. So when I hear Andrew Tate spew certain things, it's it seems like someone wanted to go back in time. However, not acknowledging that those times are no more, at least in the United States. And because of that, and because of him, because he really thinks what he's saying for the most part isn't that wrong. Or that just explicit. And by the way, you know, obviously for the people who don't like him, they're going to bring up other things like, well, he said this. We seen a video of him with a girl and he was like beating on her. Listen, that's some BDSM stuff I've realized. And by the way, you know, we have to be fair to him. Um, the woman that was involved in the video where it seemed like he was hitting her, like she clearly came out and said, yo, no, this is how they have sex. And she she encouraged it. There's a longer video where the woman literally says, yo, bro, you, I want you to beat my ass, but do it not like a pussy. Now, granted, I'm not into that type of stuff, but it seems like, again, if you're not going to be all cool with this Christian Rock shit, we have to be all fair across the board. This woman seemed like she was consensual to whatever the activities they were doing. Okay, and apparently that was some BDSM, like, tie them, tie them down, use a whip, all that type of stuff, okay? Um, other stuff about sex trafficking and, and things like that. I'm not no one's legal attorney, um, but I don't think he's been charged with anything. Okay, nor do I think he's been convicted, which is a bigger thing. Here's the point of um, of everything. I think we're it, we're at an impasse right now, where the social justice warriors are once again being challenged, and it's kind of like where we were at politically when Trump came into play. Like people were tired of the establishment; they were tired of you know what they perceived as lies, and they wanted a straight shooter. They wanted somebody to just say it, not put it in political speak. They wanted somebody who they could actually feel like is one of them, and maybe not in terms of wealth, 
but somebody who just didn't give a fuck and somebody who would just like speak and be a human because the, the job of a president sometimes is to almost kind of be like a robot that's just a living teleprompter. So Trump gained a lot of support and even some of the things people thought he was doing wrong, people loved. So when he cursed at his rally, that was very unpresidential-like. People loved it. People loved that shit. He started cursing. He started, you know what I mean, making certain jokes that were kind of a little bit lewd, definitely edgy, definitely not presidential-like, but people were drawn to it. People wanted something different than what they were getting for a long time. That is also what Andrew Tate is. Speech about um, intersexual dynamics has been a particular way. Oh, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. Men are just toxic. This is this culture, blah, 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 blah. And what happened is that when Kevin Samuels first came on the scene, he was the first guy to give the voice to the voiceless. And I said this on Vlad when I did Vlad recently. I said, when Trump won, I was shocked because I didn't know there was that many people that agreed with what Trump stood for because in reality, I never seen it in real life. But I realized sometimes there's a segment of society that becomes silenced or they become threatened to, to, uh, um, to be silenced because if you say something, you're going to get canceled, you're going to get me too you're going to get like, people are going to put you in a box. They're going to get you out of here. So a lot of people who work those regular jobs and who have livelihoods that could definitely be destroyed by whether an allegation or whether it's, it's someone who says, oh, you like Trump or whatever, whatever, it means you must be a racist, right? People just jump to that conclusion. Everybody was just like, I won't say anything. But people did say something. And what's happening is with Trump, people showed their approval of him with their votes, not with their words. At least when he won the first time and shit, even the second time, he still like gained like 70 million votes the second time. When it comes to Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate is gaining the support and the vote from people with their attention. He became the most popular guy online. And what happens is like this whole fight for wokeness and this and third and, you know, everybody has their own section in this PC world now where everybody needs to be protected. And, you know, um, what I will say, these social media companies, they're definitely they have an agenda or they, they know like, hey, this is a protected group. We can't piss these people off, but we don't care about these other guys being pissed off. Like right now, if you get on, on social media and you say, man, fuck these dudes. Yo, I'm going to give you a t- tutorial on how to finesse men for millions. If you do that, hey, there's no repercussions. Like, they're, they're, you're not breaking no TOS. But if you actually, like, finesse a couple of chicks, you're getting a Netflix series made after you. Wasn't that the Tinder Swindler? Tinder Swindler? <laughs> of course. So what ends up happening is that the people who don't get, when protection, like, play this. I've always said I'm a feminist, right? Because I believe in equality. But a lot of people who I believe claim they're feminists believe in female superiority. You get what I mean? Like, listen, there's a lot of people who are supposedly anti-racist, but in reality, they just want their race to be superior over the, the other race that they feel is superior now. You're racist as well, I believe. You're just on the other extreme, maybe losing it at that point. So, you know, people, like, in reality, um, don't want equality. Like, people usually want superiority in no matter what type of way. So, for example, like, you know, um, men speaking about women in a certain type of way is going to be casted as misogyny. While women can say, like, you, again, give a whole tutorial about how to finesse dudes, how dudes or whatever, whatever. You could call them toxic masculinity. There's this one little thing I always see on TikTok. This girl, she puts up a video. And, like, she's in the gym with, like, like you know, these, um, and she's making these squats that could be seen as sexual, but she wants to show how many perverts are in the gym. Now, she stands right in front of the mirror, right? And she's doing all these things. Now, when people are in the gym, and you might be like, Ack, what do you know about the gym? But hold up. When these people are in the gym also, and they're in the background of whatever she got going on, right? They're like, they just did a fucking 
bunch of like, you know, reps with the dumbbells or they just did that, whatever. So they look in the mirror as well because they're most likely trying to look at themselves. Now, the very side of them even looking to the mirror, remember, she's really close to the mirror. She turns around and she says to them, you fucking disgusting pig, like, like, stop, stop objectifying me. And it's just kind of acknowledged and accepted like that in society. We're like, you know, as a guy, like if someone accuses you of some shit like that, you have no real recourse. It's just it's a dub. So essentially, um, those people have gone silent. They couldn't wait for the Freshers and Fits, the Kevin Samuels, the Andrew Tate to speak for them. What they've done for, e for each of those people is make those people really popular. Andrew Tate became the most popular. He has charisma. He has a lot of stuff. The lifestyle just mad. Everything was kicking on full gear for him. And then what ended up happening is that he's now getting deplatformed. So he's he, they uh, they took him off TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, and I'm not even going to deal with the issue of him being deplatformed because some people believe that you know he has there's serious points to him being deplatformed, right? They're like, oh, he's a dangerous individual, blah, 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 blah. He's making people up. And sometimes even with some of these guys, I won't, I won't agree with everything they say. And even sometimes with their language, you know, sometimes they might say stuff either tongue in cheek, but it comes across like very misogynistic. You know what I mean? Like if you're just literally saying women are property, like that sounds wild, right? But let's be honest. Okay, let's say, which it is, it's bigger than Andrew Tate. It's bigger than Kevin Samuels. It's bigger than Fresh and Fit. Even if you get rid of those guys, why does no one acknowledge that there's, there should be a constructive, respectful conversation about why those guys even got popular in the first place? That needs to happen. Men are, a lot of men feel they don't have a voice. Because every time when you, you think you're cut the head of the snake off by getting rid of Tate, there's just another one that pops up. So why not just have the conversation? I've always said that even when it comes to racism, right? Like, listen, clearly I don't want to talk to someone who's just so overly racist that they don't want to just, they don't want to, you know, be able to have a conversation. But people who are on, like, the side of, like, whether it's Blue Lives Matter or whatever the case is, um, I want to have a, con I, 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 that conversation needs to happen rather than saying, if you're not saying Black Lives Matter, you're just a horrible person. Somebody might have a nuanced opinion. Somebody might have an opinion that you could also debate to come to a place of medium. Right? Again, there's never one right or one wrong side, but a lot of times, which I hate, this is why I was on Vlad, I said the same thing about why I even chose to, um, uh, um, I interviewed um, Tariq Nasheed. Bro, Tariq Nasheed talk a lot about FBAs and this and third and shit. I'm a non-FBA, which is a foundational black American. I could be like, man, I'm not giving my platform to him. But how do we think we're going to progress if we're not, if we're scared to have discourse? One of the things that I, I, I helped, I thought helped put us in this place in history was when people used to say, don't give blah, blah, blah a platform. And essentially was saying, let's not even have a discussion. My whole point is this. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, no, Andrew Tate just needs to be defended. I, I think that what, what, what everyone and what people who are influential in whatever social media platform should take from all this is that there's, there's a conversation that needs to be held. If you're so upset or worried that Andrew Tate is influencing the kids, think about why the hell the kids would even find that idea viable in the first, in the first place. That's why I actually like debates. You could intellectually just debunk and just destroy and dissect someone's argument and whole thing to make them look stupid. But when you just cancel it, you actually go into this other realm where people start saying, well, they hate that we're finding out the truth, so they're getting rid of it. That's how you create radicals. Because you know what's going to happen now? Andrew Tate's going to do something like Alex Jones, and he's going to say, yo, yo, we're too real. We're out the matrix. They they don't want you to consume it. Come to my private site, blah, 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 da, da, da. And if you find out the, the metrics on that, that's way more successful than actually being on these platforms. Did y'all see Alex Jones in court? Alex Jones admitted that he was making like 800000 a day. 
His company was making 800000 a day. And in one report for, for a particular year, they made $200 million. Are you kidding me? The point is, we got to get to the, we got to get to a point where we're having conversations to further acceptance, to find places of understanding, not ostracizing, not trying to shut people up and thinking their ideas just go away. We have to challenge ourselves, challenge each other, and at least try to push for what we could find as, I won't say a truth, but a middle ground. Because we're all humans. We all think differently. There's always going to be simps. There's always going to be white knights. There's always going to be like incels. There's always going to be people who don't like gay people, people who love gay people, people who think gay people should be the only people that exist, people who think gay people shouldn't exist, people who think that, hey, there shouldn't be any transgenders. Some people believe that, hey, listen, there's going to be a million opinions. We got to get to a place of acceptance. All right. So um, I'm following this Andrew Tate thing very closely. Um, I think this was putting a Band-Aid on a problem that is just way bigger than that because if you think that Andrew Tate was just, if you think he was just, okay, he's the head of the snake, so you killed the head and it's done, I think you have it wrong. I think right now if Tate, I think he's going to go private, he's going to do great. He's going to make his own shit do great. But somebody in the public sphere is going to pop up again and they're going to be, showered with a million more times attention and the process continues again because everyone's scared to have the conversation okay anyway uh listen people thank y'all for uh watching another episode of wolf the record podcast we do try to keep it uncensored over here try to push conversations it's the reason why it's off the record i've never turned down the opportunity to have conversations with people who don't think like me I push for people who challenge me, and I only believe that's the only way, not only for great entertainment, but also for us not to be in an echo chamber, because that, that's not cool, okay? Anyway, uh, tune in to next time for another episode of Off the Record Podcast, your boy Academics, and I am out of here.